1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. Seated right now in Christ Jesus, in the heavenly realms, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive as I'm taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better. And I will never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. We started this series a few weeks back called Taking Action for a Better Tomorrow. And really, frankly, I think that this is what people don't do, and that's why they don't have a better tomorrow. The title this morning is The Covenant Man is Not a Cheater. The Covenant Man is Not a Cheater. Last Sunday in our message, 10 Common Traits of Successful People, point number 10 was integrity. Because I have heard about brothers not doing right by brothers here at Faith Christian Center, we're going to pause right here on the topic of integrity and deal with it. Number one, if you're taking notes, the New Testament teaches us to shun swindlers. Number one, tell your neighbor, only Dr. Gene. Number one, the New Testament teaches us to shun swindlers. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, I have written you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I'm writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler with such a man, do not even eat. And by the way, while I'm speaking, the Lord is giving me clarity on the word idolater and why in the last couple of years, some friendships in my life have gotten reorganized. We are not to associate with idolaters. Now, you might say, I'm not an idolater, I'm not an adulterer, I'm not a murderer, so Pastor Gene, I'm good. Well, no, you're not. Because here is Paul's list of people we are to shun. Yes, I said shun. Paul says, with such a man, do not even eat. And I have been a scripture obeyer. So when I come across these people, I greet them. Sometimes, you know, I give them the... uh, Oh, what was my favorite Western star from the years ago as childhood? Huh? No, it wasn't Gary Cooper. Who was it, Susie? But he just did this thing, you know. You know, so I see him as like, but there's a difference between greeting somebody, being friendly, being courteous, and having lunch. And the reason is because I'm a New Testament obeyer. And Paul said, with such a man, do not even eat. Who? Someone who calls themselves a brother but is immoral. Someone who calls themselves a brother but is greedy. Someone who calls themselves a brother but is an idolater. Someone who calls themselves a brother but is a slanderer. Someone who calls themselves a brother but is a drunkard and someone who calls themselves a brother but is a swindler. 
Number two, if you're taking notes, number two, swindlers will not go to heaven, even so-called Christian swindlers. Swindlers will not go to heaven, even so-called Christian swindlers. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of Jesus, the Lord Christ, and by the Spirit of our God. So here we have Paul's list of people who will not go to heaven. So who will not go to heaven? Well, the sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, male prostitutes, homosexual offenders, thieves, the greedy, drunkards, slanderers, and swindlers. They won't go to heaven. And nothing I can do about it. Yeah, but pastor, you know, on that list are some uh, culturally protected species. I don't care. They're not going to heaven. They're not going. You know, if you ain't going, you ain't going. And see, what we want to do is we want to point out the speck of sawdust in the other guy's eye while we got a log hanging out of our eye. Now, you listen to me. I don't know that it ever became so clear to me as this year reading through the Bible twice, but when you read those minor prophets, over and over and over and over, God rehearses why Jerusalem fell, over and over and over and over. And repeatedly, he mentions the shedding of innocent blood, in other words, mainly killing children for, to sacrifice to Molech. He mentions idolatry, and if you want to look at the two biggest things going on in the United States of America today, we have the shedding of innocent blood and we have idolatry. But there's a third one he mentions right along with those two, and I mean repeatedly. Not paying the poor man his wages. Now, I check my mail twice a week, and so from the time somebody sends me a bill until I pay it, and they get it back in the mail because of the U.S. mail being so slow. It could be maybe 10 days, but those are companies. And then I've got family businesses that do work at the house, and they might stick a bill in my mailbox. But again, I only check the mail every, twice a week. And so by the time I find the bill, write the check, and the snail mail, it could be 10 days before they get paid. But that's not the same as the poor man doing work at my house. I mean, just this morning, I took time on a Sunday morning before church, sat down and wrote a check and put it in an envelope and, and texted the guy and said, it's, it's, so, it's in such and such a place and you can come get it at your leisure because I know it's just different with a poor man. He may need that money tomorrow. We have somebody that does work for us and, uh, and, you know, her husband gave her seven children and then left her. We don't tell her, see us next week. Now, that's not a widow, but you don't mess around with the poor man. So here we have Paul's list of people who will not go to heaven. Who will not go to heaven? The sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, male prostitutes, homosexual offenders, thieves, the greedy, uh, drunkards, slanderers, and swindlers. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. 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 Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So if you're on that list, you need to get saved. And if you're on that list and you, you say you're saved, well, you need to repent and stop sinning. That's it. Well, won't God honor my lifestyle? No. You need to stop. You need to turn. You need to do a 180. You need to repent. You need to go a different direction in life. 
Number three, you can't be a swindler and walk in love. Number three, you cannot be a swindler and walk in love. And maybe another thing we'd better concentrate on since we know these are the last days is walking in love. Maybe we'd better concentrate on walking in love toward our brothers and sisters in the Lord and not using them. Let me tell you a secret. You do not use another human being. When you go to Vegas and you say you're going, you know, for the food and the shows and you hire a woman, you are using a human being. You are using a human being. There's no relationship to it. There's no commitment in it. You are paying a person to use them like a toilet. And that's not walking in love. When you hire somebody to come do something for you and you don't pay them, you use them. In Matthew 22, Jesus was asked, which is the greatest commandment? Uh, Matthew 22, 36, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, uh, by the way, is, the, is Matthew in the New Testament or the Old Testament? New Testament, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, we're going to talk more next Sunday about walking in love. Number four, number four, the covenant man. So let's, let's go positive. Number four, the covenant man, the faith man, is a blessing to everyone he does business with. The covenant man, the faith man, is a blessing to everyone he does business with. If you're having to lie, cheat, and steal to make a living, you're not walking by faith. You may think you're walking by faith, but you're not walking by faith. We've seen this before at Faith Christian Center. The big dogs here don't lie, cheat, and steal to get ahead. I said the big dogs here do not lie and steal and cheat to get ahead. We have some big dogs but they don't lie and cheat and steal to get ahead. And if you're a little dog, be happy. Don't lie and cheat and steal and pretend you're a big dog because the big dogs don't lie and cheat and steal. Be happy, you know, with your little life. It is what it is. I mean, we got guys here, <laughs> and they impress me with their faith. But I mean, baby, if you ain't got it, you ain't got it. You know, just operate at your level and try and grow to the next level, but don't pretend. You know, I could sing a solo this morning, but Elvis, I'm not. So there's no point in pretending. No, no point in putting on a show that's just going to hurt everybody's ears. And no point in trying to pretend to be something you're not. And all you're going to do is irritate Father God because he knows everything, he sees everything, he watches everything, and he judges everything. Better, better to operate where you are with integrity and believe God than to try and lie and cheat and steal and pretend to be something you're not. I don't have time to teach on this thoroughly, but let me give you the principle and then two examples. Let me give you the principle and then two examples. Here's the principle. Genesis 22, 12, and 3. Genesis 22, 12, and 3. We see the covenant that God made with Abraham. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So here is the principle. Here it is. I will bless you and you will be a blessing. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. Say it out loud. Tell your neighbor, God says, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. But wait a minute. If you're not a blessing, why should God bless you again? 
If you're not a blessing, why should God keep blessing you? Two examples. First is Abraham. Let's go to Genesis 23. In Genesis 23, when his wife Sarah had died, Abraham negotiates for a burial plot. Now, I'm going to read some scripture, but there's no way around it, because I could tell you to go home and read Genesis 23, but you wouldn't do it. So I got to read it to you. That way you are accountable. Genesis 23, Sarah lived to be 127 years old. She died at Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan, and Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep over her than Abraham. And by the way, we got a famous preacher says you're not supposed to mourn for the dead. God help you. If Abraham mourned for Sarah, then it's okay to mourn for your loved ones. Stop teaching what's not in the Bible. Stop teaching your own theories, ideas, and opinion, and just stay with the word. Then Abraham rose from beside his dead wife and spoke to the Hittites. He said, I am an alien and a stranger among you. Sell me some property for a burial site here so I can bury my dead. He did not say, give me some property. He said, sell me some property. So Abraham was not a moocher. The Hittites replied to Abraham, sir, listen to us. You are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our tombs. None of us will refuse you his tomb for burying your dead. Then Abraham rose and bowed down before the people of the land, the Hittites. He said to them, if you are willing to let me bury my dead, then listen to me and intercede with Ephron, son of Zohar, on my behalf. So he will sell me the cave of Machpelah, which belongs to him and is at the end of his field. Ask him to sell it to me for the full price as a burial site among you. Not give me the Christian discount. Ask him to sell it to me for the full price as a burial site among you. Verse 10, Ephron the Hittite was sitting among his people, and he replied to Abraham in the hearing of all the Hittites who had come to the gate of his city, No, my Lord, he said, Listen to me, I give you the field, and I give you the cave that is in it. I give, you, give it to you in the presence of my people. Bury your dead. But again, Abraham insisted on buying the land and paying the full price. We're not talking here about buying a car, buying a house. There you negotiate. But listen to me, and listen to me carefully. You negotiate, but behave yourself. There was a guy, I used to own five acres in Mansfield, and there was a guy that wanted to buy it, and he made me a ridiculous offer, and he didn't know that I knew who he was. And then, because I said, no, I don't think so. Then he came through a realtor, tried to make me a ridiculous offer. I said, no, I don't think so. And then he, he tried to do a blind offer through another situation using a phone name, but, but I knew because of the offer who it was. And here I am, years later, and I got to admit, I made a judgment about his religion. Now, do I want people judging Christianity based on my behavior? So when, when Austin and I go buy a car, we negotiate. And then a lot of times when we're off by ourselves, I tell Austin, you know, they're, they're tagging me a little bit. I know it, but they know who I am. I have to behave myself. Do you understand? Now, that doesn't mean we're dumb and we let ourselves get ripped off, but behave yourself. And the same thing, and be, be careful, be careful, be careful. A man came to me about a house here in Mansfield, and uh, the pastor was known, and his wife had had cancer, and he had spent all he had on her cancer treatments, and she died, and he had burial costs, and he put his house up for sale, and this man came to me and said, you know, I'm thinking about hitting them with a low-ball offer on that house. I said, I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. I wouldn't even offer them full price. Let somebody else buy it. I said, I don't want to be around anything having to do with a preacher's wife getting cancer and dying and a preacher being jammed up financially and maybe even the possibility of taking advantage of a preacher. Let somebody else buy it. There's more to life than money. 
My daddy, my daddy, my daddy, Lester Summerall told me, you have got to conduct yourself in a way to where you can sleep at night. And he also told me something Austin brought up in a recent message, maybe last Sunday, don't do anything that you would not want to see on the front page of the paper tomorrow. So we're not talking here about buying a car or a house. There you negotiate. But Abraham, something to prove to these godless people. And then also the Spirit of God is speaking to me while I'm ministering the Word of God. He didn't want to share a cave with the Hittites. They said, bury your dead in any one of our caves. He did not want to put Sarah in there with Hittites. He was a covenant man. He was a Jehovah man. He was a Jehovah Jireh man. He was an El Shaddai man. Verse 12, again, Abraham bowed down before the people of the land, and he said to Ephron in their hearing, listen to me, if you will, I will pay the price of the field, accept it from me so I can bury my dead there. Ephron answered Abraham, listen to me, my Lord, the land is worth 400 shekels of silver, but what is that between you and me? Bury your dead. Abraham agreed to Ephron's terms and weighed out for him the price he had named in the hearing of the Hittites, 400 shekels of silver, according to the weight current among the merchants. So Ephron's field in Machpelah near Mamre, both the field and the cave in it, and all the trees within the borders of the field was deeded to Abraham as his property in the presence of all the Hittites who had come to the gate of the city. Afterward, Abraham buried his wife Sarah in the cave in the field of Machpelah near Mamre, which is at Hebron in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave in it were deeded to Abraham by the Hittites as a burial site. Second example, David. Provoked by Satan to do so, David broke a commandment of God and ordered a census taken of all the fighting men of Israel. And hence, judgment came upon Israel. That's when all 12 tribes were still united, came upon Israel, and 70,000 men died. The angel of death marched through the land for three days. First Chronicles, verses, First Chronicles chapter 21, verses 1, 7, and 8, Satan rose up again against Israel and cited David to take a census of Israel. So Satan instigated this, not the Lord. It was Satan, verse 7. This command was also evil in the sight of God, so he punished Israel. Then David said to God, I have sinned greatly by doing this. Now I beg you, take away the guilt of your servant. I've done a very foolish thing. Picking up in verse 14. So the Lord sent a plague on Israel and 70,000 men of Israel fell dead. And if you have not figured it out, that's what this is. These 21 months, that's what this is. And God sent an angel to destroy Jerusalem, but as the angel was doing so, the Lord saw it and was grieved because of the calamity and said to the angel who was destroying the people, enough, withdraw your hand. The angel of the Lord was then standing at the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. A little history here. This was on the peak of Mount Moriah. This is where Abraham offered Isaac, and this is later where the tabernacle was going to be pitched, and this is later where the Temple of Solomon was going to be built. It's where the Dome of the Rock is right now. David looked up and saw the angel of the Lord standing between heaven and earth with a drawn sword and his hand extended over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders clothed in sackcloth fell face down. David said to God, Was it not I who ordered the fighting men to be counted? I am the one who has sinned and done wrong. These are but sheep. What have they done? O Lord my God, let your hand fall upon me and my family, but do not let this plague remain on your people. And the prophet Gad gives, gives David God's answer in verse 18. Then the angel of the Lord ordered Gad to tell David to go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. Now let me say a little bit about curses and then we'll get on with the principle. The prophet Gad was saying to David, if you want to stop this curse, you're going to have to give an offering to do so. Let me run that by again. The prophet Gad was saying to David, if you want to stop this curse, you're going to have to give an offering to do so. Now I know what I'm about to say is not popular, but it is the truth nonetheless. We bring most of our troubles upon ourselves. I said we bring most of our troubles upon ourselves. And we bring most of our troubles upon ourselves because we have neglected to take action on some part of the Word of God or we have outright disobeyed the Word of God. We bring most of our troubles upon ourselves. 
And then the curse comes. Why does the curse come? Did God do it? Did God send it? No, we open the door. Read the story. God didn't do this. Satan incited it. But David opened the door. He opened the door. And the curse marched right in. And the curse comes because we open the door for it to come. And then your average believer has no idea how to stop the curse. David needed to offer a sacrifice to the Lord to stop the plague. And the place for the sacrifice was owned by another man. Verse 19, so David went up in obedience. So David went up in obedience. So David went up in obedience to the word that Gad had spoken in the name of the Lord. While Aruna was threshing wheat, he turned and saw the angel. His four sons who were with him hid themselves. Then David approached, and when Aruna looked and saw him, he left the threshing floor and bowed down before David with his face to the ground. David said to him, Let me have the sight of your threshing floor so I can build an altar to the Lord that set the plague on the people. Let me reread it. David said to him, let me have the sight of your threshing floor so I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. Sell it to me at the full price. Not give me some property. Not give me the Christian discount. Sell it to me at the full price. So David wasn't a moocher. I mean, he was the king. He could have ordered it seized. Verse 23, Aruna said to David, take it. Let my Lord, the king, do whatever pleases him. I mean, you have no idea how this grieves my heart. I'm reading the word of God, and I'm thinking, Aruna, the Jebusite, was more a doer of the word of God than most Christian Americans. There are people sitting here right now, and in your mind, you're rebelling at the reading of the word of God, and my saying that an offering had to be offered to stop a curse. Aruna, the Jebusite, has been in paradise and then now heaven for thousands of years, and you may not ever get there at all. Idolaters, we just read this, 1 Corinthians 5, 1 Corinthians 6, will not make it. Aruna said to David, take it. Let my Lord the king do whatever pleases him. Look, I will give you the oxen for the burnt offerings, the threshing sledges for the wood, and the wheat for the grain offering. I will give all this. I will give all this. A Jebusite. But David replied to Aruna, no, I insist on paying the full price. I will not take for the Lord what is yours or sacrifice a burnt offering that costs me nothing. Do you know why in 38 years since we pioneered Faith Christian Center, we have never put a note in the bulletin or online or made a public announcement asking people to bring toys for the nursery? Do you know why? Because we know that every broken toy at every house would be brought. And we don't put little precious Faith Christian Center children on broken stuff. We buy brand new. And from the very beginning, we bought brand new. And from the very beginning, I didn't care what it cost. You don't bring God your least, you bring God your best. You know why you don't live in the best and drive the best and wear the best and eat the best? Because you've been bringing God less than your best. Reciprocity, baby, it's all about reciprocity. In marriage and in covenant with God. You give God your least, well, you can't really complain, can you? You bring him your blind goat. You know, you bring him your lamb with three legs. I wonder how come I'm not blessed. Doesn't work. With joy and gladness, with joy and gladness, with joy and gladness, do I give you the best that I have, my Father God, with joy and gladness. Hallelujah. The windows of heaven opened up and the blessing of the Lord comes down. So David paid, verse 25, so David paid Aruna 600 shekels of gold, not silver, gold, 
for the site. David built an altar to the Lord there. I mean, think about what this means. This means David personally donated the dirt that the temple of God was to be built upon. And he bought it with gold. So David paid Aruna 600 shekels of gold for the site. David built an altar to the Lord there and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. He called on the Lord and the Lord answered him with fire from heaven on the altar of burnt offering. What did David say to Aruna? Sell it to me at the full price. Now again, I'm not teaching you you buy a car this way or buy a house this way, but there there comes a point in time where you know that it's a matter of you being a good witness and you don't ask for anything. You just pay it. I'm not talking about buying a car or a house. David didn't ask for the Christian discount. And like in the case of Abraham, David could have gotten the land for free. Think about it, because Aruna offered it. He could have gotten the land for free. He could have gotten the wood to build the altar for free. And he could have gotten the oxen to offer on the altar for free. But like Abraham, David said, sell it to me at the full price. So the non-covenant man thinks he has to lie, cheat, and steal to keep up with his brothers to live the fat life and to gain wealth in order to be respected by others. But it doesn't happen because it won't last. We dealt with that last Sunday. Point number 10, last Sunday's message, you will be found out and it will not last. The covenant man sees God as his source, and so he seeks the approval of God over the approval of man. If you have never heard one word that came out of my mouth yet in 2021, you hear me on this. The covenant man sees God as his source, and so he seeks the approval of God over the approval of man. And if something costs him today, he's not worried about it because he figures God will make it up to him. Number five, if you have cheated someone, do as Zacchaeus did, and then you can get into heaven. Number five, if you have cheated someone, do as Zacchaeus did, and you can get into heaven. Yes, I said, if you have cheated someone, do as Zacchaeus did, and you can get into heaven. Zacchaeus was a tax collector in Jesus' day. In fact, he was the chief tax collector, and the Bible says that he was wealthy. But he was a short man, so he climbed a tree to get a look at Jesus while Jesus was passing by. And Jesus took note of him and invited himself to Zacchaeus' house to eat. He invited himself. Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus' house to eat. Luke 19, verse 6. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Zacchaeus climbed down from the tree and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. Let me deal with this a minute. I, the Lord, you know, the Lord just instructs you as you go along reading the Bible. I, I don't even know how people make it anymore and not read the Bible. I'm reading the Bible for the second time this year, and I get to one of these type passages, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, Have you ever wondered why my son always encouraged people to give to the poor. Have you ever wondered why it was always the giving to the poor, giving to the poor, giving to the poor? I said, no, I've never even thought about that. He said, here's why. What was he to do? Encourage them to give it to the, to the, the rascals at the temple? See, we talk about giving into the gospel. There was no gospel yet. There was no gospel until the baptism of the 120 in the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. That's when the church began. There was no gospel. So what were they, I mean, he taught them tithing, not just in Matthew's gospel, he taught them tithing in Luke's Luke's gospel. They were so specific. They were so particular. They were so precise in their tithing. In Matthew's gospel, it said they they tied to the herbs. In Luke's gospel, it says they tied of the herbs from their gardens. And and Jesus endorsed in both Matthew and Luke, said you should have done this, but not neglected the weightier matters of the law, mercy and justice. 
So my point is, why all this giving to the poor all through these four Gospels? I'm not saying we ought not give to the poor. This church gives to the poor. Every Friday, checks go, go, checks go out. Once I saw the, the prophecy of Isaiah, I turned, I changed. Didn't take me three days to think about it. I, I, I blurted out back behind this stage. I'm reading the Gospel before church starts one night. Had extra time sitting there reading the Bible, Isaiah. And, uh, the chapter on fasting, and I, I, I blurted out to Austin and Sue, I was taught wrong. My father's taught me wrong. And I, I made a change. Th that, that day, I made a change. Every Friday, checks go out to ministries that emphasize the poor, mainly feed the hungry, but others. We're given to the poor. This church is given to the poor every week, every seven days. We're given to the poor. Let me tell you what. The Bible says that if we give to the poor, we shall lack no good thing. But there's no point coming down here to church on Sunday and giving to the poor and ripping off the yard guy or ripping off the cleaning gal or ripping off somebody, you know, trimming your trees or ripping off the poor man that's been denied his wages. You know, you think that, that that little gal from wherever it is, the Bronx or whatever, you know, that little obnoxious bartender communist is so such an egregious, you know, blood-sucking, envious commie. But again, it's judging the sawdust in the other person's eye while you got a log coming out of your eye. If you are not square on wages paid, you don't have the right to judge anybody on anything financially. And somebody might say, how odd. This guy is so blessed, and yet he is lifting up the banner and being a defender of the poor man. Well, how do you think I got here? You don't take advantage of the poor man. Well, I don't take advantage of the rich man. Yeah, because the rich will haul your backside right into court. They'll hand you over to the tormentors. Of course you don't take advantage of the rich man. And you don't come here not into my house and try and make money off your brothers and your sisters. Now, I realize, you know, we got, we got people, they do business with each other, they hire each other, they buy cars from each other, they cut each other's hair. I mean, all this stuff's going on. And we don't mind it at all. I don't want some ungodly person cutting my hair, I'll tell you that. I don't want some ungodly person vacuuming my car, I'll tell you that. So, of course, a lot of this goes on. But what I'm telling you this morning on the 7th of November in 2021, do not let stories of brothers ripping brothers off come to my hearing. People make money off each other. We all understand this. Ask your neighbor, are you grown up? Are you grown up? We, we understand this. But making, making money is not the same as ripping somebody off. Swindling. Integrity. Integrity. So he said, if I have cheated anybody out of anything, he said, look, Lord, I'm in verse 8. Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And I've explained why the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. Now, you might think what I'm teaching is egregious. Well, I'm sorry, but it is right out of the Gospel of Luke chapter 19. It is exactly and precisely what Jesus said. If you have ripped off the poor man, 
pay him back four times. And then you can get into heaven. Well, pastor, that's a little bit of a hill. Well, then don't cheat people. Pay people what you owe them. And don't be writing faith checks. And don't lie and tell people the check's in the mail when you know Satan knows and the Holy Ghost knows it ain't in the mail. A man is his word. I know that the culture does not agree with this anymore, but I am standing here at Faith Christian Center on the seventh day of November in the year of our Lord 2021, and I am telling you that a man is his word. A man is no better than his word. A man is his word. And if, if your word is no good, then you're no good. A man is his word. Now the Lord's prompting me, and I gotta, I gotta follow instructions. Man, I, I did get benefit out of that extra hour. First time in my entire life, I think I did. I, I got benefit out of it. Hallelujah. There was a horrible day. It was a horrible day. It was. Uh, there's no reason. If I told the backstory, I could not finish on time. But when we moved from the hotel to our first little building up there at I-30. Uh, we had turbulence. I didn't understand it then in real time. I came to understand it, but we had turbulence. We had the scandals. Uh, the first Jimmy Swaggart scandal, the Jimmy Baker scandal, then the second Jimmy Swaggart scandal. And uh, we just got behind. We had three pages, single space, accounts payable. And when extra money would come in, and I'm talking, when I say extra money, I'm talking about $200, $300, $400. And we were so excited, and we'd pay bills. But of course, you know, because I got three pages, single space, you know, we would pay the littlest bills. You know, we'd pay bills for $10, $20, $30. So of course, over time, what stacked up, what stacked up, what stacked up was the bigger bills. And the main one in those days was the printer. And, but there came a point, there came a point. I went over to the lady that did the bookkeeping back then and I sat there and she, you know, I looked and oh my gosh, and I don't know why, I guess she went to lunch. I sat at her desk and I called, I called the printer and I asked his forgiveness and then I called the management company the, on the bond, the, handling the bonds. We had borrowed the money through a bond company. I called them and I explained to him, I said, I said, you know, we had the first Jimmy Swagger scandal, then we had the Jimmy Baker scandal, then we had the second Jimmy Swagger scandal. And I said, now, this past Sunday, I said, I stood up and I had a talk with my people and I explained to them, I don't have anything to do with Jimmy Swagger. I don't have anything to do with Jimmy Baker. It wasn't me, so don't punish me. I said, I had a talk with them. And I said, if you will give me grace, I said, this will never happen again. I hung up the phone and I talked to the Lord and I said, I said, I did it. But I said, I'm a proud man. And from this day to my last day, I don't ever want to do this again. Amen. And he gave me 30 days grace and we were never late again, not one time. And we got all that three pages, single space paid off. It took two or three, four months. We got through it. Now, so I'm not saying you walk on water. Don't, mis don't, don't misrepresent what I'm saying because I have been there myself. What I'm saying is you take action, you take action, you but don't lie to people. See, I didn't call them up and say, the check's in the mail, dude. I don't know why you didn't get it. Let me call the post office tomorrow. A lot of luck with that. Good luck with that, right? No, I didn't lie to him. I told him the truth. Then I took action. So I'm not saying you got to walk on water. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you can never make a mistake. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you can never get behind. That's not what I'm saying. Let me see the hands of everybody that's ever been behind. I got my, in fact, I got both my hands up. That's not what I'm saying. 
What I'm saying is you, can, you cannot lie your way through it. You cannot cheat your way through it. Not as a Christian, not as a child of God. You cannot steal your way through it. You might have to, and, and, and there it is, maybe there it is, and that, that humble pie. They brought me chocolate chip cookies and scones. Sitting back there, I'm I'm, I'm, going to give me a cappuccino after service. I'm going to have me a scone. But let me tell you something. I don't ever want to eat for the rest of my life. For the rest of my life, I don't ever want to eat any more humble pie. (laughs) So that's why I conduct myself in a way to where I don't ever end up eating no more humble pie. Because if there's any kind of pie I don't want to eat, it's humble pie. I just soon it boiled okra. <laughs> One no humble pie. So you got to do what's right. And sometimes what's doing what's right is painful. And sometimes doing what's right is embarrassing. And sometimes doing what's right doesn't feel good to your ego. And sometimes doing what's right is, is embarrassing in front of your brothers. I've seen it, I've seen it, I've seen it. There's a guy sitting here this morning. We're we're stuck in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I'm supposed to preach the next day. It's Saturday night, American Airlines, you know, all day long, all day long. We're going to delay the flight. We need a part. We need this. We're going to delay the flight. Well, the sun's going down. And so, you know, he, he, he kept asking me, you want me to make the call? You want me to make the call? You want me to make the call? Finally, I said, make the call. But anyway, he did a survey of the guys, you know, who, who wants to, in other words, you want to spend the night, spend the night. You want to fly with us, fly with us. Here's what it cost. And then I was horrified later to find out that a lot of those guys didn't pony up. You don't, you don't say, I'll cover my fifth or my sixth, and then, you know, uh, gee whiz, you know, I forgot. And then I'm the guy years later hears stories about what happened to this guy, what happened to that guy. You know, one of them ended up in prison. I think two of them ended up in prison. I think I'd rather pay what I said I'd pay. And God bless that brother. The one that they got cheated. See, you got to look to God as your source. Let me tell you what, you, you get cheated and you look to man as your source, man, you're, you're going to wear your eyes out looking for the money in the mail. But if you look to God as your source, God will make it up to you. Tell your neighbor, God will make it up to you. So that's my message on the 7th of November. And uh, if you need to repent, you need to repent. But do not... And next Sunday, they're going to bring you a scripture that if you want to live long and you want length of days and you want prosperity, then keep your tongue from evil. Do not go around this church bad-mouthing your brothers and your sisters. And when, when you have a brother or a sister and they fall into trouble, do not be happy. You bless them in Jesus' name and you pray for them. But you keep your tongue from evil and do not take advantage of each other financially. Let's bow our heads. You may be here this morning or watching online and you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior. See what I'm preaching here at Faith Christian Center is the actual gospel. It is a gospel of change. It's not a gospel of slap Jesus on your ugly life like a Band-Aid. It is a gospel of repentance. It is a gospel of change. You need to repent. You need to turn. You need to give your life to God. You need to ask God to forgive you. And then you need to live your life like a Christian and not like some old sinner. And this is part of how we lost our country because, frankly, the world looks at Christians and they think well who wants to be one of those we have not lifted up the right example Jesus said in John 3 you must be born again he said in Revelation 3 
Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. So it's up to us. If we're going to be saved, if we're going to be born again, if we're going to have our sins forgiven, it's up to us. How many this morning would say, Pastor Gina, I'm lost, I'm in my sins, I'm not a Christian, but I want to be saved, I want to be born again, I want to make Jesus Christ my Lord and my Savior. Pastor, I want to be included in this prayer, pray for me. If that's you, wherever you are, lift a hand up, lift it up high enough to where I can see it. There may be others here this morning and you're backslidden. You're not living for the Lord like you promised him you would, you're not living for the Lord. Like you once told him you would, the word says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many this morning would say, Pastor, I'm, <laughs> I'm not living it. I'm not living it. But I want to turn and I want to repent and I want to make it right and I want to live for God for real from this day to my last day. If that's you this morning and you want to be included in this prayer, lift a hand up, lift it up high enough to where I can see it. We're going to pray. Anyone here this morning? Well, Father, I thank you for your word. It is an incorruptible seed. It has gone forth into the hearts of the hearers. It will not return to you empty or void, but it will accomplish what you desire and achieve the purpose for which you've sent it. And I thank you, Father God, for people watching online, either alive right now or later. And I pray for them, Father God. In fact, I'm going to pray the prayer for the sake of those who either are watching live now or maybe watching off the app later, and they want to give their lives to Jesus. Let's everybody in the room pray for them, and you pray at home. Father, in the name of Jesus, I give you my life. I turn from my wicked lifestyle. I turn from a life of sin, and I repent, and I give you my life. I ask in the name of Jesus that you would forgive me of my sins, cleanse me from all unrighteousness, and put within me a heart that loves you, loves your word, loves your house. And I thank you, Lord, for not rejecting me, but for receiving me unto yourself and into your family. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everyone in agreement said amen. Amen. God bless you richly. You can go to fccarlington.com slash salvation. Let us know about your commitment and decision. We'd love to send you a book, God's Very Own Child. We appreciate your commitment and decision. And I want you to know that if the Lord leads you to send something to us, great. But if you never send a nickel, it doesn't matter because the good people of Faith Christian Center have given and given and given and been faithful, and they have paid for everything. Can somebody say, praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. Father God, I give you the credit, the glory, and the honor to stand and preach the word of God in a place where we don't owe anybody anything except the debt of love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you say glory to God? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, you walk by faith, not by sight.